Hey, welcome to our flaming clown car, Legends of Philadelphia. <laughs> These are your hosts, Johnny Zito and his best friend, Tony Trove. I'm Brian Bierman, helping out on engineering duties. You might be asking, who are these fancy lads? <laughs> well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Tony Trove and Johnny Zito have a little t-shirt business, South Bellini, that focuses on Philly culture and in-jokes. Lots of times, customers will ask, can you throw this away from me? <laughs> or <laughs> they want to know what kind of animal the fanatic is supposed to be. I just rewatched the 30 Rock, and they say he's like an undersea king, right? He always well, but a he's, bird he's a bird. A bird? No. It's got a beak. I mean, he's got, a, he's got feathers. That's not a beak. And his tongue comes out. It's like an anteater. All right, we'll get, All right, we'll get into this. So, uh, so we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. I don't see him being a bird. He's got feathers. You don't, yeah, he's got feathers. They're. It's fur. That's not feathers. It looks like feathers to me. Oh. He's got a little. He's got that little feathery tail. Well, now he does. Oh, I think he always did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he always did. If he's supposed to be a sea creature, then why would he have any fur at all? I'm I'm hard pressed to think of the whale, uh, no, the furry I, whale I, I, out there. I agree. I don't think he's a sea creature, but I don't yeah. think he's a bird. He also can't fly, so. Well, there's lots of flightless birds. Common, the common, a common. That's true. That's true. A common feature of a of a of a bird is flying, you know. <laughs> How many birds can drive an RV though? Not many. An ATV? <laughs> an RV. Yeah, well, whatever. whatever. I'm sure he can drive an RV too. I mean, they probably require the same class license. Yeah, back yeah. In, back in the eighties they used to drive the team around in an RV from town to town. <laughs> Pete Rose, Mike yeah. Mike Schmidt, uh <laughs> Jim Eisenreich. Jim is. Jim Eisenreich. <laughs> Pete and Cavillia. Keep it going. Pete and Cavillia. Those are 90s Phillies. Dickie Thon. We. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you memorized all the funny sounding of names I know in the, the Phillies funny, lineup. <laughs> of course I know all the funny Philly names. <laughs> We should do we should do a '93 Phillies episode. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, like that's a true fun. legend. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, legendary team. I always I always see. Uh, I'm in all these like Facebook groups that are um, like uh, autographs and uh, like 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 autograph sessions or whatever. And I, Lenny Dykstra is doing one, uh, and he just like pitches it as like legendary Met and Philly, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, trying to have it both ways. Well, yeah. yeah, on cameo, his thing is him from the from the Mets, and it's like, come on, dude, come on, dude. <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> he's a legendary Met. I get it. I get it. But he's yeah, like legendary in Philly for different reasons, and that's that's what's like amazing about him, I guess. <laughs> well, people should write us uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at South Fellini. Let us know what you think the fanatic is supposed to be. <laughs> if you have some kind of inside dish uh, on the origins or. Species of the fanatic. Species. Yeah. So, um, speaking of springtime, I guess we kind of touched on this in our 50th anniversary episode, but uh, Philly boasts a long history of springtime pastries. There are a ton of great bakeries around town, some dating back to the late 1800s, that keep these traditions alive. 
There are Fajnats on Fat Tuesday, Irish Potatoes on St. Patty's Day, Zeppelis on St. Joseph's Day, Easter Bread, and Philadelphia Cheesecakes uh, for Easter. So today we want to talk about the strange legacy of Catholic-influenced springtime sweet treats. <laughs> I didn't really notice it until a few weeks ago, uh, but uh, we were talking about it, and all these springtime treats they they have uh, or all these springtime feasts they have uh, great pastries associated with them we were kind of like riffing on it at the beginning of an episode talking about irish potatoes and uh, i guess we're kind of spoiled here to have this history of immigration and all these catholics kind of like mingling together and brings these foods to one place and makes them like part of the philly lifestyle no matter what your background is but to the new world to the new world <laughs> it's only <laughs> only four or five hundred years old so new it was new at the time it was new. <laughs> I guess uh, I've mentioned, I said this to you guys before we started recording, but uh, Amy, who used to work in the shop, always, who's Jewish, would ask me for like these like Italian like tips of like different foods or whatever. And I would, I kind of saying each of them, I realized that they were all kind of like Catholic things and they're all kind of associated with these like feast days and uh, Lent (laughs) and uh, it's like tied into it. And I don't know, is it Italian stuff or is it? Catholic stuff, but um, as a non-practicing person, I uh, I do enjoy uh, a lot of these treats. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I also I not only I mean these are the good ones the treat the the treats, but there's also like there are dishes there's like lentils or. Or um, or chickpeas. Good. Soups. Say it. Say uh, ham pie. Say ham pie. Ham, ham pie. Say ham pie. I gave you a bunch of shit for not putting ham pie on 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 today's episode, but uh, I yeah. only know he didn't include it because the last time he had it, it was he it made him sick. It did. So. <laughs> <laughs> he can't talk about it. He'll throw yeah, up. My mom makes ham pie every year. I've ever and I was been. like, Howie. <laughs> yeah, you ate something called a ham pie. You, of course, you're gonna get sick. You eat something called a ham pie, and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel. It's got like eggs this. in it. You leave it out all day. Like it's, it's, oh. it's part of suffering. It's what makes it Catholic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I got sick. I ate it the day before Easter. Uh, we were when when Trove and I were roommates. We our other roommate Dennis, his cousin, threw a party. Uh, like an Easter party for his family, and <laughs> they like left out all this food. And at the end of the night, I was like, "Anybody gonna eat that ham pie? Nobody gonna, eat, nobody gonna <laughs> that, finish that? You're not gonna eat that old ham pie that's been sitting out all day." Saying the words "ham pie," I even realize how like like how if you don't if you've never had it, what, like what I've, that, I've what never heard that? of this but ham. But if someone was like, "You want some of this ham pie?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> no. no." Do you have do you have apple pie? <laughs> Yeah. Nope, just ham. No, Sorry. Ham. It's got eggs in it. <laughs> it's got a hard boiled egg with hard boiled eggs in it. And I like ate it and like two hours later I was throwing up and I could not stop throwing up until uh late into Easter the next day and my family thought I was faking it. They came by the house to like they were like I was like, I'm so sick I can't come to Easter. They were like bullshit. Sorry, Mom, we can't come to church. <laughs> so I swear I'm sick. I can't, I can't. You know, if you lick your palms, they can't tell. <laughs> they, they think they think you're actually sick. Uh, they came over with uh, Gatorade. They gave and they like made me like drink the Gatorade in front of them. Yeah, like, and I couldn't keep it down. As soon as I drank it, I like threw up cartoonish amounts of red, and uh, <laughs> it, it was like Charlie in that in that Always Sunny episode where he he, he throws up too many blood pills. 
And I and they were like, mm, I go, all right, I guess you're sick. I guess you don't have to come to Nona's. I guess you can stay home. <laughs> <laughs> suffering, suffering. Yeah. That story has a silver lining. That was the first time I saw Bob's Burgers. I stayed. Uh, <laughs> I stayed in you bed the all day. You watched the Beef Squatch episode. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the Beef Squatch episode. That was my first. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. Uh, I want beef. So funny. <laughs> so funny. So so yeah, and and there's there's my dad's my dad's hometown is uh, their patron saint is Saint Blaze, and his whole thing is he saved a, a woman from uh, choking on a fish bone. So there's like fish dishes on that day, you know what I mean? So so it extends beyond. Oh yes, it fits in. That's a lame. That's a lame saint. Dude. No, <laughs> he, like, he was at a restaurant and somebody was choking, and he and, and, and now he's a saint now. Did you go to Catholic school? They would always like, bless your neck on 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 Saint Blaise Day. Yes, the two candles. The two candles. The two candles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if they weren't, yeah. if you were, if you were like a sinner, they would they would they would cross the They'd candles and cut your head off. Yeah. Burn burn your neck. That's what they that's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. We all went to Catholic school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went high school and grade school. You went to I went to North Catholic, which was an all boys Catholic high school. Which, if anybody's listening and is going to send your kids to an all boys Catholic high school, don't do that. <laughs> um, t- I trust me on this. If you learn anything from this podcast. It's that. Uh, but, so yeah, we it was, that's how I know all the. But I, I'm not. I don't. I'm. I, I moved on. But I guess. But uh, <laughs> I, I, but I remember all this stuff and like all these. Do you remember? I was gonna bring this up. Do you guys? Because I don't know. I know. I I remember uh, as in grade school, it was near Christmas and it was like it was like some saint thing and we all put our shoes out in the hallway. The Saint Nick. And they put candy in your shoes, like a bell rings, and then like there's candy in your shoes. Saint Nicholas. That's like a Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That I, I, I like Santa I, Claus is like a German thing, right? Like that's. Yeah, yeah. That's like the German version. But that's yeah. the thing. There's like like Saint Patrick, Valentine's, and all that. There's like a bunch of these like there's like a million Saint like days, and like for some yeah. reason, a bunch of them catch on in some way. Yeah. yeah. Some of them don't. Like Some the patron saint of patron saint of Long Hot, so no one knows who that no is. No one knows who that is. <laughs> but yeah, we all know Saint Francis of Assisi with the animals. It's like, all right, all right. Yeah, you your patron saint of animals. I'm the patron saint of like rubber bands, you know? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's also for a lot of the like a lot of Italian immigrants too. It's like every every town in Italy has like their own patron saint. Right. And uh when they come to the United States, you know, it's like it ties in with that. Like, oh, of course we're celebrating Saint Rocco. We love him. We love him. And like <laughs> one of the top twenty seven saints of all one time. Of top <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that stuff is is kind of like all tied in with that. You know, there's just certain Italian saints that they they love them. They love them. Saint Anthony, they love them. Saint Anthony is oh, he's a go to. Oh, dude. Pray to Saint Anthony. Mm-hmm. Okay, a little history on on bakeries in Philadelphia. According to an 1882 census of Philadelphia manufacturers, it was noted that the city was home to 934 baking establishments, and by 1909, Philadelphia boasted 1,208 bakeries, ranked third in the nation for baking exports. That's a lot. I also want to be the guy whose job it is to go to every bakery. 
He's like, fine, I guess I'll go to another bakery. (laughs) (laughs) The types of baked goods available in the area expanded significantly in the early 20th century with the influx of a large number of Southern and Eastern European immigrants who brought their ethnic baking traditions with them. Italian and Jewish bakeries became especially common, joining German bakeries, which had long been part of the area's food landscape. Okay, so first up, we're going to talk about the Fasnacht. Fasnacht. I never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. I guess I have. I guess I did. I mean, it's like it's like Fat Tuesday. Yeah. You eat a donut, right? That's. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So I've heard it. I heard of it. <laughs> These are lightly fried diamond-shaped donuts dusted with cinnamon or powdered sugar and served at German bakeries in honor of Fat Tuesday, the traditional Christian day of feasting before the fasting of the Lent season begins on Ash Wednesday, which is the next day. Diamond shape. Diamond shape. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a square, but if you, like, hold it, if you're holding you it properly, it's a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wasn't calling you a square. I was saying you're a diamond. You're, you're a, a diamond. diamond. <laughs> Every square is a diamond in the rough. Put that on a fork. I don't know. I guess I, I, this was on the, on the script, and I was like, what the hell is this? And I guess sometimes I... Like, don't even realize, like, how ingrained Italian stuff is to, to me and to Zito. Where I'm like, I, Zito, I have, like, no idea what this, this is. Um, my, on my mom's side of my, uh, my family, my grandma used to buy these. They are, uh, they're, they're something, she didn't make them, so, like, it's not necessarily something I thought of. I guess I never really considered it to be, like, a, um, like, an old world tradition because we bought them. And, like, so much of, like, my old world traditions are things that, like, the family makes. So this one was is kind of, like, unique in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hegel's Bakery, founded by German immigrants August Hegel in 1930, continues this tradition in northeast Philly today. Uh, clerks take orders wearing German dresses while German music entertains long lines of customers. Uh, though it sounds like a simple <laughs> recipe, these hand-cut donuts are a time-consuming enterprise. Hegel Bakery begins to prepare a month in advance – about 2,000 white cardboard boxes are ordered and folded, and flour deliveries come in installments. So they get it like a little bit at a time leading up to it. Oh, man. Yeah. Bakers begin working the Sunday evening before the bakery's Fasnacht celebration, and it takes four hours before the first batch of donuts are ready to be topped with sugar. Lines stretch around the block, and the wait can take almost an hour to get inside. Oh, uh, we got to go. Yeah, um, we just missed it. They only like so many of the things on our on our list here. They only make them seasonally, so uh, um, it is worth it uh, to wait in that line for folks like Doris Reitmer uh, and her family, uh, who used to make the Fosnots on their own. But it is much easier to buy them, so she comes to Hagel's for sixty years. She's been coming to Hagel's for sixty years and buying them for her family. Quote. Our children just love them, and it's a family tradition now that we come. Everybody enjoys them so much, said Reitmer, who bought eight dozen to share with her family. This is from an article Damn. from three years ago. Yeah, She cleared them all out. Well, they're prepared. They have lines going around the block. They start making them the we, weekend before. We should do a Northeast Philly episode of like, <laughs> like things in Northeast yeah. Philly that we'd be willing to travel there for. Yeah. Be like, Sweet Lucy's. Sweet Lucy's. <laughs> Melrose Diner. No, not Melrose Diner. The other diner. No, I'll cut that. <laughs> You're the representative. What the hell, man? I know. I forget. I'm out of there. I'm out of that dump. I'm out of- <laughs> I don't want to ever go back. So, yeah, like I said, my family, we bought these. We did not make them. And so I didn't think of them as like, I didn't think of them as something old world or some kind of like tradition that carries on. They're just like donuts or whatever. But that's because we didn't make them ourselves. We go to the bakery specifically for them. 
Yeah, and it, it's it, it revives around Lent, and it just makes sense. Uh, and uh, there's all kinds of things. Uh, there's all kinds of sweets uh, around Lent. That's like the Philadelphia one. But like I, when I was looking this up, uh, you know, for details and stuff, New Orleans has a huge uh, Lent festival. Last day of. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you. I don't know if you guys heard of this one. It's called Mardi Gras. Oh, Lent that. festival. <laughs> That's yeah. When 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 girls are flashing their boobs for it's Lent. for for Lent <laughs> for Lent. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're getting it out of their system for Lent. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you because you you, you you lent on that. Yeah, and they yeah. have the, they have the king cake, so it's like you know it's there's all kinds of these. I'm sure it's more regional. Oh, there's all the kinds. King of this cake stuff. has like something inside it, right? Yeah, it's like a baby. <laughs> a baby, a baby, a plastic baby. You got to be more look. Yeah, it's just right. It's a plastic baby. Like, right, right, right. Yeah, plastic babies. They're not eating babies down in New Orleans. <laughs> Whoever chokes on it has good luck for the rest Whoever of the year. <laughs> well, no, they don't have to give up anything for Lent. If you ac- you, if you accidentally choke oh. on the on the baby, you don't have to give up. You don't That's have to give works. anything up. There you yep. go. Yep. Enjoy your ice cream, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your meat on Friday. Enjoy your meat on Friday. <laughs> have a beer. Uh, next up is Irish potatoes. This one surprised me. Uh, a Philadelphia tradition that is more than a century old. Uh, in the weeks leading up to St. Patrick's Day, the cinnamon-coated coconut cream spheres pop up in area candy stores, gift shops, and supermarkets. Um, I think these are gross. Yeah, Trove does not like these. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, I, I, I guess um, saying about going to Catholic school or whatever, I went to like a pretty much a 99% Italian-American Catholic school. And uh, there was like one Irish kid, and it, his mom used to make him dress up like a, like a leprechaun and hand these out on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> no, oh, and, and like no, the, and like we were like little, little, little. Like when you're little, it's really it's cute. And then like, I remember like just being like, oh man, John, we didn't cut that. But, like, <laughs> I felt this feel so bad for him. I just remember they used to make him do it, and um, and I didn't even like them, so I couldn't even be like, oh thanks, I love it. <laughs> I didn't like the pretending to put it in your mouth. I just felt bad for him, and I didn't like it. I'm sure that's how he maybe I don't know how he feels, but uh, you know, oh, that sucks. Yeah, I always think of that every year. <laughs> <laughs> Trove beat Trove beat him up. <laughs> no, I no, I, we were we were friends. I just I just always remember being like, ah, oh, I feel so bad. You have to do that. While the exact origin of Irish potatoes are vague, history has it that they were first made in Philadelphia in the 1800s, uh, possibly by Irish immigrants, but probably not. Uh, the very, uh, it's very likely that the local candy makers at the time noticed coconut cream Easter eggs looked like potatoes when coated in cinnamon. Uh, so by 1860, uh, the Irish were the city's largest uh, immigrant population, and that was a huge new market to tap into. And so that's when these start popping up uh, as a... Uh, uh, an excuse to sell treats on St. Patrick's Day. Exploiting the Irish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they'll eat anything you call it a potato. <laughs> that's pretty much that's, that's pretty, pretty much, much what these candy saying. makers are saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the timing of the Irish potato season is convenient. The miniature spud lookalikes are sold in the lull between Valentine's Day and Easter, both candy-centric holidays. So Irish potato recipes vary from shop to shop, but coconut and cinnamon are always the dominant flavors. Uh, some places add pine nuts to mimic the sprout, uh, the sprouted potato eyes of actual potatoes. You know, getting real authentic there. 
you can make them at home, but for most Philadelphians, only store-bought Irish potatoes will do. And uh, they are only available for a limited time. Uh, St. Patrick's Day generally marks the cutoff date for production. Uh, you can find them at many area candy shops and grocery stores or order them online. Our, our old roommate, our roommate Al Bruno used to make them. And I would be like, oh, thanks, Al. I love them. I wouldn't eat them. <laughs> Throw them out in front of them. Give it to the dog. Alberto did make them, and they were really good. Alberto, uh, if you're uh, if you're listening, I always enjoyed them. They were delicious. No, I love them. I love. <laughs> Not. <laughs> if it was an Italian thing, you'd be no, like, "Oh, I they're just, so great." I just, I just don't like them. It's just, it's. Oh, the, uh, these Italian, Italian potatoes! I love them. The Italian potatoes are so good. Thing. It's a texture oh, thing. I love it's like Italian cellophane. Potatoes. Coconut's oh, gross. This is South Philly. Oh, I love it now. Then it's from South Philly. No, and it's it is from South I Philly. I just told you about. I just, I just don't like them. I just don't like the way they taste. They're. I will say this. I didn't know that these were. I thought these were all hand homemade. I thought this was another homemade thing. I didn't know that this was something that was invented by candy stores. So when I was a kid, and the Irish kids did bring Irish potatoes on St. Patty's Day, and I was like, "Oh man, I love coconut." I thought this was something like their moms and their grandmoms made, and because I was like comparing it to my own like Italian tradition of like your 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 grandmoms making all these baked goods and things like that. Uh, side question: Maybe we can cut this. Why is corned beef Irish? Isn't it? <laughs> Where does that come I don't from? know. Where does that come from? I don't know. All right, whatever. My my mom makes um for St. Patrick's Day she makes uh ham and cabbage and it's like she would make it every year. And every year she's like, "Do you want some?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. And I'm like, "Why do you it tastes terrible. Why do you eat this?" Cuz my my mom's family is Italian or uh Irish and it was like, well, this is what they eat, used to eat back when they didn't have food. It's like, yeah, but we have food now. We don't have to eat. <laughs> like, and she makes um <clears throat> on New Year's, she makes something too. Uh, so we always know. eat uh, pork and lentils on New Year's. Mm. I don't My know. mom is Irish, and she does the uh, the sausage and sauerkraut, the frankfurters and sauerkraut. Mm. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the only time of year I eat sauerkraut. I'm coming over. <laughs> Stutz's Bakery in Hatborough uh, 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 sells a lot of Irish potatoes, and store manager Kim Wengert says, quote, We get people who've moved away, and they call in, all eager to ask us if we can ship the Irish potatoes to Massachusetts or New York, end quote. So I guess it's, like, so localized that you can't necessarily get this in candy shops or, or bakeries in um, in other cities. Yeah. Other cities, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland, this is the one time. This, this is it. <laughs> no, I love them. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I like coconut. There's a brand that is in a box. It's called like Orion's, um, and they're not good. But I've had good ones. But those, but those are the only ones I can find, and I don't like those. Hmm. Now I'm wondering if the ones I got when I was a kid were homemade, and the ones you get in the bakery or the or the candy shops are just inferior because they're 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 not made by somebody's mom. Mm-hmm. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um. I guess moving on, moving on uh, from the the taste of coconut, we're uh, we're gonna talk about my pop ops uh, favorite. <laughs> you never treat. swallow it. That's the hard. That that's the hard part. You have to keep chewing. It's like paper. Ah, now who has? 
Now join my no, side. I like I like it, but uh, but I like. Well, you're not paper. selling like it. You're not selling it very well. I like the I like paper. I oh, eat paper. Okay, if you're into yeah, if you're in, paper. if you're into eating paper, like like that guy at the at the at, at, at the, the movie, movie theater, yeah, eat napkins. Yeah, eat you napkins. know what? Maybe he was eating an Irish potato. He was eating I mean, Irish it just <laughs> wasn't cut yet. Uh, uh. okay all right moving on moving on from coconut we're going to talk about my pop-pop's favorite sweet treat uh the zeppoli or more commonly known as the saint joseph steak cakes these italian cream cakes are regut filled pastries with a cherry on top traditionally made for the feast of saint joseph you're an italian cream cake You know, I think uh, I think Zeppeli is probably like Giuseppe, probably like some kind of Italian American, like turned this word, this Italian word, into like an Italian American thing word. That's that's interesting. That that might be uh, that might be the way it happened. It, it, so apparently, the origin of the popularization of the cakes is that in the early 1800s, a baker from Naples, Pasquale Pintoro, Pintoro, yeah, Pintaro. Uh, popularized the custom of eating Zeppoli on St. Joseph's Day. However, Pasquale's sweet treats probably had a much crispier crust than we enjoy today. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah, it looks like he invented this association uh, all the way back in the 1800s, and then they brought that tradition over to the United States with them. Uh, St. Joseph's Day celebrations are especially festive in Sicily. Legend has it that in the Middle Ages, Sicilians prayed to St. Joseph to relieve them from a terrible drought. The rains came, and to this day, devotees in Sicily and Sicilian communities abroad venerate the saint every March 19th by filling devotional tables with symbolic abundance. Did you guys have one this year? Yeah, I, I no, got No, I didn't. I got one at oh, Ka- no. Kasha's, actually, which is not really like a uh, pastry bakery, but they had them, so I was like, yo, g- give me the Zeppeli. <laughs> I, I happen to have a dentist appointment that way, and on the way out, my That's dentist right. gave me one. I got it on the way out of the dentist, too. <laughs> That's you got yours. You got yours at the dentist. <laughs> yeah, I went to South Philly dentist on 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 what West Pass Junk, and I got my teeth cleaned, no cavities, and I was like, I'm going to Kosh's and I'm going to eat like a spinach slice. <laughs> let me undo. Let me undo what they just did at the dentist office, and I got a spinach slice, a pizzazz, and a uh, uh, a St. Joseph Day cake, and uh, I don't know, happiest boy in South Philly. My dentist literally gave me the cake. He like plugged a, a cavity and he was like, "Here's one for the road." He gave me a cake. I'll see, he's like, "I'll see you in a month." Damn. Yeah, because he's trying to he's, he's trying yeah. to come back, dude. Yeah, he's he that's he like knows. Planet Fitness when they give you hey, the pizza. Here's some hard tappy too. Yeah, here's oh, some oh, hard. on the way out. <laughs> he's a good dentist, man. Mm-hmm. He, he, he got, you got enough candy apples? Uh, <laughs> we got plenty of. Them. I worked in a bakery when I was in high school and. During the off season, I was the cleaning boy, but when it was uh, St. Joseph Day week, I was like part of assembly line of people who cut and filled uh, Zeppelis up. <laughs> uh, I love this tradition, and uh, I hope I hope it never dies. This is such a tasty one. This is a really good one. Yeah, were you like one for me and one for them, and like squirt it in your mouth? Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Duties, uh, cleaning the pans, uh, messing around with all the food, eating the food from the thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, t- t- tasting stuff. 
Most local bakers only produce the St. Joseph's Day cakes for the month of March. Uh, Testa's Bakery in Havertown usually sells 200 dozen over 31 days. Quote, people appreciate it more. It's a treasure. We take pride in it. When they're gone, they're gone. End quote. I like the limited editionness of them, too. That's what's great yeah, about too. a lot of yeah. this uh, certain foods. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I guess if you're a baker, it doesn't make sense to have like a ton of St. Joseph's Day cakes stocked year round. You know when the when when to play the hits, you know, play the hits. <laughs> then it's a bigger deal. There's like a schedule. People expect these things. And there's like it's almost like how you would expect a certain food on Christmas. But then there's like, well, what if there was like 20 other holidays? <laughs> You know. My, we, we, we talk about this all the time. It's also Trove and I talk about like the, um, the, the, the past that, that never was, the past that's remembered but never really existed. So like for my pop-up, these St. Joseph's Day cakes are like, like a reminder of his youth and, and you know eating these cakes or whatever. But he grew up very poor in, in Sicily and I, I, in pre-war, uh, uh, war, you know, just before World War II when things were tough. And so I imagine this was like, this is tied to like a very specific memory, not necessarily a yearly tradition, but like that one time where it did happen or those handful of times where you did get to celebrate it. And now, you know, living in abundance and, and having being better off, you get to revisit that, those childhood memories, those happier memories through these connections and kind of like, I don't know, put a happier veneer on it. And that's that's part of what all of this is too, you know. That's why you got to eat ham pie again. That's why you're going to I'm coming over <laughs> with ham pie. I want you to remember. No, no. That trauma is seared into my DNA. <laughs> no, I'll no, pass it on no, to I'll no. pass it on to my kids. <laughs> Here's some ham pie, John. You remember, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all these tasty Catholic snacks have led us to Easter bread. Uh, Easter bread is made with sweet dough enriched with eggs that's twisted into long braids or rounds. The golden baked loaves might be drizzled with icing and adorned with a rainbow sprinkle. Uh, or studded with dyed eggs baked into the dough, like Easter eggs. They're not really sprinkles. They're more like nonpareils, right? Yeah, and I've had them. Uh, yeah, you're right. And I've had them. Uh, I've also had them with candied almonds, too. Um, mm-hmm. Certain bakeries do it. They switch it up a little bit. There's eggs in it? Is it, like, sweet? It's like, so one of my other jobs at Cosme's Bakery was uh, braiding Easter bread, and they would do, like, certain braids uh, in making it different styles. And one of the ways was almost, like, making it, like, like it would kind of hold, it would, like, it would, like, I don't know how to put this, like, like it would It was, like, hold, a cradle. A cradle, yeah, like, cradle hard-boiled eggs. So, like, you would, like, break the bread away and there would be like these hard boiled eggs like that you could then eat through a lot of this stuff has to do with like eating hard boiled eggs that have been left out for a while it's all- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of easter traditions now that a you lot mentioned of easter it traditions, yeah. yeah um it's kind of hard to explain like that's the way it looked but it was like a certain braid would hold a certain like a certain amount of eggs too it, it kind of looks like hollow bread with an with an easter egg in the middle of it yeah yeah is it sweet though yeah, it goes really good with coffee. I would definitely say that. And and it's made with a lot of eggs in it too, so it's like it's it's kind of like yellowed and the the bread and it's like it's very like like doughy. Mm-hmm. This is one of those episodes where I I'm reading the Wall Street Journal because I have nothing to add. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, you trying to, you love, try and eat some of this stuff, I know, you know? I, I, mean, I know. Well, I tried to You moved to goddamn South Philly. You're not going to eat any of the things around here. No, I'm bringing the Northeast to to South Philly. 
when I was a kid, we used to get Easter bread from a, a local bakery. It has since closed, but um, no, Nona got in, a, in, a, in an argument with the owner of the place. So Just say a fist fight. She got in a fist fight. She, f- <laughs> slaps were thrown. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was I think it was like over the he raised the price of bread and she was like I'm never coming back here. And so she started <laughs> she started making her own Easter bread, which was which was great because we had tons and tons of Easter bread every year, but she she didn't dye the eggs. So like there would be like a big white egg in the middle of the <laughs> the middle of the Easter bread and usually they're like colored pink or or, or blue or like you know some kind of like pastel Easter color. Right. Right. We used to make like at that's I wonder what bakery it was. Maybe you could tell me when we're done recording. <laughs> I honestly can't remember the name of it. It used to be on the corner of Thirteenth and and Dickinson, I think. Oh, okay. Or Dickinson or Reed, yeah. Just ask the neighbors because it'll be like, do you remember that time um, Nona got in a in a monkey knife fight with the the bakery <laughs> owner? <laughs> and Nona said, uh, uh, "Winners drip, losers gush." That was her exact her exact <laughs> her exact word. It's a rite of passage to be told off by Nona. All right. Someday you will. <laughs> I hope I hope so. She'll tell, she'll tell you off. You'll see. It's all about suffering. It's all about suffering. Yeah, it's pretty much all Catholic traditions. Mm-hmm. Suffering, but then th- then you get a pastry at the end of it. It's worth it. It was worth so, it. Pretty much. Yeah. Come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Or I guess I guess a lot of bakers are still doing the Easter bread. Uh, uh, we used to make like tons of them. Like that's what like, you know, all, all these teenagers making the Easter bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So you keep them off the streets. I, that's also like it was weird years ago. You would go into a business place and there would be like teenagers working there. Well, they add a lot of sin to it, and the <laughs> sin adds flavor. Um, I can't remember the name of the bakery we used to go to, but Isgro's Pastries on Christian Street in South Philly has continued the Easter family tradition for almost 100 years. Isgro's is such a staple of Easter Sunday that the bakery hires a police officer to direct traffic outside their store on the holiday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all, the, all those angry nonas. All those angry nonas. The, 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 they have to send the police now. You thought you were you were joking, but it, there's truth in that. It's... there. <laughs> We used to make tons of Easter bread at, at Cosme's, so uh, I could see how if there's only a few of these places left that are doing it, they must sell like, tons of it still. Isgro's Pastries Easter Bread is yolk-based and rich in flavor. They use anise and non-alcoholic rum to glaze the loaves and decorate them with candy almonds. They sell two versions, braided and baked into the shape of a crucifix with a hard-boiled colored egg at the center. <laughs> I guess that's what I was trying to describe <laughs> earlier. Uh, look, it's got a bloody Jesus baked into it. That's great. <laughs> it's all about no, suffering. It's just, the, it's it, about suffering. It's, just the, it's just the crucifix. There's no Jesus on there, so it's just a reminder Isn't of the Isn't the egg suffering. supposed to be Jesus, though? Probably, maybe, yeah. Maybe, so. yeah. That's actually that's pretty good symbolism. Uh, one of Isgro's signature items for Easter is the marzipan lamb, which the bakery makes in nine different sizes. That sounds like a band that Sherman Hemsley would have listened to. <laughs> <laughs> marzipan lamb. Uh, the molds were crafted by Isgro's grandfather decades ago. Gus Isgro's grandfather decades ago. Gus Isgro says, quote, my mother, Mary, makes the marzipan lambs herself. She decorates them by hand. She's the only one with the patience to do it, end quote. Um, I've seen them. Like lambs? Yeah, I've seen them in the window. They're oh, cute. Oh, yeah, I, think, I guess I have. 
Yeah. I guess they're, I, I didn't realize it before reading all this, but I guess they're 100% marzipan. I thought they were like cakes in the shape and decorated or whatever, but they're they're 100% marzipan. Um, so just the sugary part. Jeez. Okay, and um, finally, I thought we'd take this opportunity to talk about the ultimate dessert, uh, Philadelphia cheesecake. Not necessarily a Catholic dessert, but um, a, a feature of many uh, um, post-holiday uh, coffee and dessert tables uh, is the Philadelphia cheesecake. Um, but then I discovered that it is a pastry made of lies. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, don't they say New York cheesecake? Isn't that... There is no difference between – there doesn't seem to be any real difference between New York cheesecake and Philadelphia-style cheesecake. What I have learned is <laughs> when most people refer to Philadelphia-style cheesecake, they are talking about a version marketed by the Philadelphia cream cheese brand. <laughs> so it's just like a regular so cheesecake? That's like, that's like saying like <laughs> South Fellini cheesecake. This is just your guy's cheesecake. <laughs> So according to Billy, uh, BillyPenn.com, uh, a New York dairyman, William Lawrence, invented cream cheese in 1872, and Lawrence began calling his cream cheese Philadelphia because the city used to signify high quality. So he was like, what am I going to call my, my high-quality cream cheese? I know. I'll call it Philadelphia, Philadelphia cream, cream cheese. cheese. <laughs> this was the one, the one year where Philadelphia was, like, high class. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I guess it's around the centennial, so it's like, you know. Yeah, that's true. We had the, we had the centennial. We had that giant fork and knife. <laughs> People will be talking about it for hundreds of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there's no difference between a New York cheesecake and a Philadelphia cheesecake? Well, I think a Philadelphia cheesecake, all, the fat in, in the cheesecake only comes from uh, cream cheese. And in New York-style cream, uh, uh, cream cheesecake, or excuse me, in New York-style cheesecake, they have other additives. Um, so Philadelphia cheesecake is named so because it just has Philadelphia cream cheese in it and nothing else. <laughs> Author of the cheesecake Bible, George Geary says, quote, almost cheesecake all cheesecakes. Bible. Yeah. The cheesecake Bible. See, that's the religion that I would sign up for. <laughs> the hell with this. <laughs> the hell with this. Shit. <laughs> quote, all cheesecakes were used, uh, that we are used to are Philadelphia cheesecakes because they only use cream cheese as their fat. End quote. You know, if you sign up for that religion, though, they make you work at that cheesecake factory. Uh, <laughs> and you have no access to your family and friends. You're you're selling me more and more. I don't got to see my family or friends. This is the, the this is excellent. Perfect. And then when you reach a high enough level, then you can communicate with the grandmaster uh, cheesecake uh, from another planet. Wow. Yeah. I'm into it. All right. Yeah. All right. A lot of powerful people are into cheesecake. You know. The Golden Girls. <laughs> All the Golden Girls. The golden girls. <laughs> also goes good with coffee. Got to admit. Got to admit. Yeah. Can't deny it. Got to admit. I like the Melrose cheesecake. Okay. Before cream cheese, uh, bakers used other cheeses, whatever was available to them locally. In colonial America, cheesecakes made from curd cheeses were all the rage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> Food historian Gil Marks discovered an 18th century Philadelphia tavern called the Cheesecake House. So it's a the cheesecake factory has a, a longstanding tradition in the in the Delaware Valley, <laughs> and that and that place is fifteen oh seven East Past Young Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta it's get still one the of those cheesecake blue. house. We gotta we get one of those blue plaques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beefcake. I'm sorry, I should cut that. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what. <laughs> shit. No, leave it. Shit. Leave it in. Shit. Leave it in. Shit. <laughs> Uh, back then, cottage cheese used to be strained through a cheesecloth, but that was a time-consuming uh, endeavor, and as years went on, they modified the recipe by using a baker's cheese base instead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can still get it that way at Holmesburg Bakery. Uh, open since at least 1900, they sell cheesecake in, that's closer to Pennsylvania Dutch version. I didn't know that. I'll have to go there. That's near my mom's house. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, this is, a, I guess, an all-year-round thing. They sell oh, uh, cool. the Pennsylvania Dutch version. But um, that cheesecake, uh, like traditionally right baked in a rectangular form with a basic pie crust uh, and uh, a cream made from baker's cheese, uh, occasionally has fruit placed inside of it with the pie mixture, the pie cheese mixture poured over top of it. Um, mm. And as it turns out, the old-fashioned is a better-selling cheesecake at Holmesburg. Uh, they don't even put it on display. It's a word-of-mouth oh, thing. Pyramid, you got to so, get this for uh, us. Pyramid, get yeah, this. I gotta get, get this. this. You got to go. get this. Well, all right. Next week, we'll uh, everybody get the pastries for us, and then we'll eat them next <laughs> we'll week. We'll eat them. On the air. And that's the episode. <laughs> well, that's pretty much all I got. Do you guys have any, uh, do you guys have any uh, Catholic sweet treats that I missed or feast day treats that I missed? Catholic that you... sweet treats. Yeah, I mean, Halloween is a feast day. Uh, St. Valentine's Day is a feast day. I, people might not, you know, realize that, but these are all very, these are all candy centric. These are all sweet centric. No, nothing. Okay. Well, no, this is uh, this that this is, and I never tried any of these, but I want them all. Oh, really? Yeah, these are. Uh, I would say everything but the the cheesecake that we talked about on the end. I've had at least once. Uh, you know, the cheesecake, the the curd. I guess a a cheesecake in the style, the Pennsylvania Dutch style. I guess I've had regut pie, and that's that is a cheese pie similar. Now regut is uh, in English is ricotta, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's how it's spelled, but not how it's pronounced. I just had one from like what PNS Ravioli was selling them. Oh man, and, they, they they, and they even put, like, they put like pastine in it too, so it's even like like I got an extra element of uh, <laughs> something different, you know. Uh, very good. Who would recommend? I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's very good. <laughs> good with coffee. <laughs> that's a theme of the episode. That's a, that's theme of my, Maybe that's theme the theme of my the life. Episode. Theme of my life. <laughs> good with coffee. Yeah. That's going to be my indie film. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Bill Good <laughs> and Detective John Coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Write this down. Are you writing this down? I'm writing it down. Come on, Hollywood. Hollywood, don't steal that. (laughs) Michael Bay, I know you're listening. Okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about Catholic pastries and the colonial cheese pies. Uh, Please check out our website, www.southfellini.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool Philly-inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at South Fellini everywhere. Follow along and join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. You and your no-nos. <laughs> this podcast is rated number one among Nona's. Uh, we should have a Nona sit in on an episode. My my Nona doesn't listen to the podcast, so I feel free telling Nona stories on on here because of it. I don't know. She does listen. She doesn't like it. She she, she hates <laughs> listening. She's the one who took away her iTunes review yeah, last week. She gets a bad review. I'm not a fan of that, John. Too much of the jump ball. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>